a product of the Whisper Forge. Sound and story brought to life. You're listening to episode zero of Rogue Runners, volume one in the blood. If you want to jump right into the action, skip on over to episodes one and two, which are available now. If you want to get a better feel for the show, its premise, and who's playing whomst, then stick around and keep listening here. Just as a heads up, we do discuss character backstories, which does include a mention of suicide. Our whole show encompasses pretty much all of the stuff that happens in Greek mythology. It's violent, scary, weird, and we make a lot of irreverent jokes about it. I hope whenever you're feeling ready and able, you'll join us. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome to session zero of In the Blood, a very heavily inspired by our favorite video game of the year, uh, Live Play. This is like an improvised work of fan fiction, essentially. Sure. I don't think we're going to become rich and famous pretending to be Hades characters. Uh, yeah, but, uh, we, you know, we've been um, really big fans of uh, Hades by Supergiant. It has definitely been, like, my favorite game of the year, put, like, 400-plus hours into it. Uh, and we thought it would make a really fun um, live play uh, story to tell. And live play, actual play, what have you. Uh, and, you know, I've basically been spending... The last few months, um, adapting it into you know a D and D module that you can kind of lay over the original fifth edition rule set, uh, and you know making custom characters and uh, character subclasses and abilities that are kind of like themed in that universe, um, and then kind of like putting together a little cool ass story about it. So that's what I have to say about it. What does everyone else have to say? Who is who is playing this? Oh, also, my name's Toe. Hi. There we go. <laughs> That was our lovely uh, DM for this series, Tozaman, and, and creator of this module. Uh, but hi, I'm Giancarlo Herrera. I'm going to be playing Rolf Yannick. This is a Norse human who finds himself in Hades, which is a little odd because he's Norse. So, you know, that's like, that's a thing. <laughs> Six foot seven, Pretty slender frame, long silver hair, blue eyed, and is a sorcerer. And so my subclass, which is within the system, is the Chthonic Soul. Am I saying that wrong? I've never yeah, known how to so, pronounce so that. So in, in Hades, the game, they say Chthonic. I have okay. always pronounced it solely Thonic. Um, and I will just be like switching up the pronunciation whenever. So you should feel free to do the same. Great. So I'll go Chthonic for now. Um, but yeah, Chthonic Soul, which is um, a subclass that you take. So starting at third level, you get some really cool abilities. Would now be the time, I guess, to kind of talk about that? Toad, do you want to explain uh, it? Yeah. So, so you know, you were playing a sorcerer and we wanted the sorcerer to kind of feel like it was a class that could be played in the world of Hades. So we did a couple of things to kind of theme it around what gameplay was like in the actual video game. So how, how, uh, what did that lo- end up looking like? Essentially, it's it's a really cool play on the idea of the um, like the blood crystals. So we have chthonic casting, 
Uh, starting at first level, you draw some of your own blood to create a blood crystal, which amplifies your spell casting. This is represented by a blood crystal die. As you level up, you gain the ability to create more blood crystal dice, and their size increases. So that's kind of what we got right now. I, I really love, at least in theory, the, the way that you've implemented this, um, the idea of the blood crystal into this game and having that die to amplify spells. So basically, you can use that to... Um, uh, especially at later levels, you have more options with it, but basically to increase chances to hit or to make a, a saving throw either easier or more difficult, kind of, or also to increase damage, uh, I believe, later on, correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so for folks like who aren't maybe necessarily familiar with Hades, the video game, you don't necessarily have to be, but in it, uh, you know, there's like essentially three, you know, major functions you can do. You know, you can do attacks, you can do special abilities, or you can do casting, like kind of very akin to spell casting. Uh, so I figured, you know, if casting is a thing that's done a lot in the video game and casting is obviously something that's done a lot in fifth edition uh, i kind of wanted those things to be similar so you know when you cast in hades the video game you you know fire out these blood crystals uh which can you know be lodged in enemies and increase the damage they take and i kind of just wanted that to be something that you know um sorcerers could do as well because sorcerers you know obviously have you know meta magic options and so they're the class that are very known for kind of like bending or breaking the rules of how spells are written in certain ways and i just wanted there, there to be another option to do that with that class so i ended up creating the chthonic soul so yeah um you're absolutely right so the chthonic casting feature which creates and lets you use blood crystals is pretty much like the primary feature of that class and so i don't know how much we want to get into kind of our our whole deals in this right now but yeah i i think that's the surface level stuff you need to know uh if you want alignment i suppose i'm neutral good kind guy i think all around we'll see but (laughs) um yeah and prior to i guess when we are going to start this adventure uh, you could find Rolf uh, previously having worked as a bartender in the House of Hades. Yeah. Oh, so so that's so interesting. I guess I should explain what the premise of this game is. So, you know, like we said, it's kind of set in the same universe as the video game Hades, which we all love, but I didn't want to copy like the exact same story of it. And I, you know, obviously that's a single player game and I wanted it to be like a D&D, like multiplayer game. The, the, the setting that we're placing this story in essentially is many years after the events of the original game. Essentially, Hades, the lord of the house of Hades has gone missing or has gone off to do something that, you know, most people don't know about and so uh prince zagreus the prince of the underworld his son has had to kind of take over the you know management duties of the underworld and in so doing he's also kind of had to vacate his old job which was to essentially keep trying to escape the underworld and thereby test its defenses so with that job open uh, that job has now fallen to other people in the underworld and in the house of hades who now have the opportunity to try to make their own escape attempt kind of like Zagreus did uh, with the promise that if they are able to successfully escape they essentially can just stay on the surface or and go and do whatever they want and functionally have another shot at life. So that's the premise. So who are the characters? The characters are essentially these wretched shades from the House of Hades who were kind of, you know, these lost souls who in death were doing kind of like menial or, you know, demeaning work in the house of hades like they weren't really like the center heroes and then they were kind of promoted to this position for one way or another where they're finally allowed to make their first escape attempt um from the underworld so you were a bartender correct 
before all this. So you were a bartender like in the lounge of the House of Hades? Yeah, I think um and I suppose we'll we'll discover a little bit more of this through play and as the characters kind of get to know each other, but uh being a bartender tracks really well with some consistent life experiences he had. And of course, being a Norse person uh brings very different recipes to uh to the lounge so i think that was something that a lot of people probably enjoyed pretty quiet guy but also uh like a great conversationalist if that's what you want you know if, if he sees you're open to it and so i i think he probably uh, uh forged at least on the surface level some some good relationships with a lot of the people coming through the house of hades listen i wish every time i was at a bar i could strike up a conversation with a man who is six seven silver haired <laughs> and blue eyed <laughs> And Amen. kind and great with Amen. drinks. Like, 100%. Yeah, give me one of those. <laughs> I, I think you also said he's 64, which is fine by me. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about how we died or anything, but for him, it's, I don't think it's a big secret. Uh, he just died. He was just old. He died. Yeah, I mean, I think that's especially old for the time period. So I think you did you did good. Yeah, and uh, which also is a, is an interesting thing, uh, I guess, how he's kind of processing that in the afterlife, especially knowing that as a Norse person, the, the best way to die was in battle. And that's absolutely not what happened to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Who wants to go next? I can hop on in. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Pisani. Uh, coming to you live, as in we've pre-recorded this months in advance. <laughs> uh, I will be portraying the role of Arete Lascaris, a human rogue hailing from Greece. He grew up in an adoptive crime family, the Lascaris crime family. He rose through the ranks and was betrayed by his adoptive brother and murdered. And that's how I ended up in the underworld. So I've got some trust issues. I've got some baggage. <laughs> I am five foot eleven, pale olive skin. At the ripe old age of thirty-one, I was murdered. <laughs> and I am chaotic neutral for those that want to know. And yeah, I'll talk about um, the rogue subclass that we've created for this module, the Grave Marker. Yeah, tell me about it. So the Grave Marker reigns as the chief dealer of death among its denizens. Rogues of the Gravemarker discipline exercise their attunement with the world of the dead through deft maneuvers of the blade and body rather than through magic. But the sheerly bemusing quality of such technique could easily be mistaken for spellcasting. Um, I get some pretty cool abilities starting at the third level for my subclass. I get Death Shroud, which allows me to hide in plain sight in almost any locale, which is really cool. Um, And then I get certain other little abilities as I go along called grave marker maneuvers, which um, can be performed whilst I am death shrouded. And I guess we can find out about those as we go along and keep those Ooh. a little like nice little Ooh, surprise okay. for everybody. I bet you wouldn't be you wouldn't be a rogue otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, that that's a nice quick um, summary of what's going on with me. I love that. Short and sweet. Uh, Also, what were you doing while you were kind of like a lowly, wretched shade in the underworld? Before I was promoted to a a shade with a face, when I was just a faceless (laughs) shade, I was... toying away in the the mines and uh, making sure that the the central heating uh, in hell was going nice and strong. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> I love that. And then when you were finally able to become like a level one grave marker, obviously the the story starts at level three. But so you became like a level one grave marker. I mean, I, I think what we were saying is that um, before you kind of got the opportunity to like perform your own escape attempt, you were essentially one of the shades charged with stopping other mm. people's escape attempts, right? Correct. Yes, I was in charge of torturing the particularly evil souls and uh, making sure that they did not try to escape again. And uh, do do you think like maybe when Zagreus was trying to escape, do you think he ever fought you? Oh, um, I think we did cross paths a couple of times, um, <laughs> and I I just kind of would give him a look and go, "You dirty rascal, you!" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't want to spoil too much, but I'll say when we when we first meet Arate at the beginning of uh, the story, uh, he will just be in the middle of doing something shady. That's all we know. Uh, but, shady shade. I'm, yeah, I'm very I'm very excited to see what it is. Uh, can we hear about Annie? Yeah, sure. So hi, I'm Amanda Facosta, and I will be playing as Anastasia Pantazis, also known as Annie. She goes by Annie. She is a level three bard. She comes from um, or studied from more the College of Mysteries directly under Orpheus, I believe we agreed on. Yeah. So what is the College of Mysteries? So the bards from the College of Mysteries are the envy of those from many other colleges thanks to their initiation into the secret rites practiced by worshippers of the gods. Their prized status as privy to the stories of the greatest heroes, both mortal and divine alike, lends their storytelling tremendous gravity and spectacle. It is said that some bards are welcomed into the college by the legendary Orpheus himself, <laughs> who imparts the grandest epics only to the most dedicated and prodigious. I, I know the word. Pre- thank you. I just can't pronounce it. Of his students. <laughs> A bard of the College of Mysteries is not only a virtuoso musician, but a master of showmanship and entertainment. Entrainment. Uh, Entrainment. I'm dyslexic. That's totally okay. I mean, also entertainment. Okay, great. Uh, so entrainment is essentially um, bringing other people into uh, following you. Brilliant. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, Amanda personally never uh, really does. She tends to not stray far from like the ranger path. Uh, <laughs> like uh, since high school, she just doesn't because she's scared. But I love Hades. I love the video game Hades. I really enjoyed it when we played it. And it was a pleasure, you know, to have Toe come on when we were reviewing it on Should I Buy? And I'm really glad that this whole um, idea came up and that we're actually going through with it. I think it's really cool. So, yeah, um, Annie is definitely very much in as a bard also is just very much into uh, Greek mythology and believes that like those stories are very important for uh people to know because it tells us where we came from and, you know, where we might be going and helps us along the way. But if we're talking about how we died and all this stuff. (laughs) If you want, you don't have to share if you don't. Crushed by a piano. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, we could. Yeah, I could totally share. I have no problem with it. Um, So, yeah, Annie uh, has always been into music and she plays specifically the viol. I believe she also dabbles in like some drums and um, the Lear, liar, however you want to pronounce it, honestly. It was so long ago. So her parents weren't really supportive of the whole music, artsy kind of vibe, which is, you know. Classic. (laughs) Classic, even back then. Mostly because they didn't really understand it and they found it more like frustrating and annoying uh, more than anything else, really. And Annie was just always really entranced by music. Personality-wise, she's kind of like a mix, if you know the game, of 
Dusa, and if you know Harry Potter, Luna Lovegood. It's somewhere kind of there. So oh, she's always. I love oh. that combination so much. <laughs> she's kind of always been like in her own head, but she's always hearing this music. And then there was a point in her life where she stopped hearing the music. Mm. And she uh, really didn't understand what that was. As us, as Amanda, that easily describe it as basically like going through a bout of depression and not knowing how to deal with it or understand it. Um, but as Annie, Annie believed that she stopped hearing the music. That means her time is up. Like she's okay. Like I, I guess I, I, I have nothing left. There's, I'm done. And she told this, she shared this with her parents and her parents led her to believe that that is a real thing. Not hearing the music anymore means you're done being alive and it is your time to go. And so she... Um, Annie did. Uh, she did commit suicide. That's um, that's very Greek. It's yeah. very. It is quite. <laughs> it's quite Greek. Um, uh, she did end up killing herself, and um, upon entering Hades, the house of Hades, and all this stuff, and being a shade, she did uh, get to apprentice under Orpheus, and you know, also just kind of uh, assist him in matters around the house and music, and and she learned a lot from him. But I think the most important thing that she learned from Orpheus was that not hearing the music is a very natural thing. It happens. It's basically just a form of, let's say, like a writer's block or something like that is like kind of an equivalent. And so training under Orpheus, she learned that and she learned how to get past it and learned how, even if there are moments where you're not constantly creating or you're not constantly hearing this music, that's okay. It will come again. You just people manage it differently. So yeah, and so she, she learned that from Orpheus and obviously a lot more about music in general. And so... Knowing that, she would really, uh, she would actually really like to go back to the land of the living to go back and and do all the things that she didn't really get to do, you know, and and one of her dreams is to like meet the muses and um, perform with them and write music for them and all that nonsense. So I I love that. That's so beautiful. I'm so, so excited to see how that story plays out. Me too. (laughs) I think we have one more party member. Hello, I'm Nicholas Benetatos, and I'm going to be playing Alexander the Great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the actual historical figure. <laughs> um, and I can, I just hope I can do him justice. I don't know. Well, his see. estate is going to be very displeased if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Farrell's going to call you up and be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> well, Alexander the Great, the brilliant general whose thirst for conquest could never be quenched. Uh, that will be me. He died at the ripe old age of 33 so uh he's gonna be probably i don't know how old everybody else is but uh 31 younger than rolf there i decided to make him a paladin because that's fun i think it's perfect because we have the greek gods to play with so i'm going to be yeah serving so how do the greek gods play with this paladin Uh, mechanically spiritually sexually yeah (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know that Alex, like, well, I was reading for. Alexander, I'm very excited to explore his homosexual side. Just personally, I would like to express that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that for sure. Yeah, so like family wise, I was looking into, they believe that his mom's side is descendants of Achilles. He believes that his father's side is descendants of Hercules. Uh, By the end of his life, Alexander himself believes that he's the son of God. Of Zeus, oh. sorry, not God, son of Zeus. Uh, apparently, a lightning bolt struck his mom's womb, and he was born. Yeah. <laughs> yes. According lightning bolt, quote yeah. <laughs> so uh, a little bit loopy at the end, I guess. 
or not. So everybody else in the underworld was like this wretched shade who had to kind of do this like lowly work. Um, and we know that heroes and like very famous warriors typically get sent to Elysium rather than Tartarus. So what happened to Alexander? Alexander, uh, we have a mishap, right? A, a what did you call it? Clerical error? A clerical <laughs> error. <laughs> oh so he ends up being brought to an air, an area, I suppose, where they are uh, training grounds for the heroes, where he becomes pretty much the, the dummy, the target dummy to be whacked upon. Nice. And uh, it was, I believe we decided Achilles. He, he fought back against Achilles and impressed Zagreus. Yeah. And uh, he has been promoted because of that. But yeah, for... Uh, Alexander's a little upset because he believed that, you know, he was a hero of his time and uh, is confused. He's like, I I thought I did what you want me to, gods, and you put me here. So um, so he would like to speak to the managers. Yeah. yeah. Oh. He's going to go Karen. He's going to go very Karen. <laughs> Wait, can we just make Alexander the Great like full Karen all the time? <laughs> Honestly, that would be excellent. So what is Alexander's relationship with the gods mechanically in the game? Yeah, we have Oath of the Divine created by Tozam. You are basically the servants of the god. Your goal is to try and please all of them as best as you can. You may not be able to, and if you can't, you're a failure. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. I love these abilities that I have here. I mean, you get your oath spells. I don't believe you created any. Yeah, so they're all pretty much like regular oath spells. However... The, the spell list that is created is pretty much unique from any other oath spell list and yes. that it's meant to kind of give you this really like divine flavor. So like what, 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 what do those oath spells look like? I'll be starting with bless and divine favor. So you get oath spells and then you also get a channel divinity. Yes. Channel divinity where you choose between holy bulwark. Essentially you get add AC to yourself or you can spread it around with other people in your party. So you get a mm. one AC, you get a one AC, you want to get one AC. Or I give all three AC to myself. That's cool. And that's for one minute, but one minute in D&D is 10 rounds. It's a so hell of a long time. I'm very pleased with that. I could choose between that or intercession. You can get plus 10, a bonus uh, for saving throws with wisdom or charisma. Uh, so I probably should have picked that instead because my rolls are always like twos and threes. Oh, uh, you, you, you get the option with Channel Divinity, so you can do either. Cool. And then you would have to recharge, right, once yeah. you've, you'd have to channel again. That's right. And then your later paladin, higher level paladin abilities are basically more about turning you into a demigod, essentially, right? Hopefully becoming a Greek mythological hero himself, Alexander the Great. Yeah. Alexander the Greater. Yeah, the greatest. <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, I, I guess I didn't do an actual introduction. Uh, yeah. So my name's Tozaman. Uh, I'm going to be uh, serving as the dungeon master for this story. Um, I created most of the kind of like rule sets and Hades themed um, encounters and abilities uh, for this story. And I'm also going to be playing pretty much the rest of the NPCs. So the various um, deities and, you know, chthonic, you know, uh, underworld denizens that uh, the party meets along the way. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and then, you know, I didn't I, I, I think obviously it's very inspired by the video game, but I also wanted it to kind of be its own story. So there are going to be many, many more deities than I think you might have encountered in the game. And there was there will Ooh. certainly be 
more obscure Greek figures and NPCs that you maybe didn't have a chance to meet in the game or you literally can't meet in the game um, because I think there's a very large beautiful story to tell um, you know with kind of all the different aspects of Greek mythology in it so I'm very very pumped about that um, so as we tie this story together now that you guys have kind of heard each other's you know names and what they're about and their histories and their abilities and kind of what their role was in the house of hades uh we kind of can talk a little bit about how the adventure starts off and like do you guys know each other like what are your relationships to each other um what does that look like so i'll I'll tell you the way the story like session one starts is basically all of you kind of convene in this in the courtyard that zagreus used to escape from uh and you all start your escape together uh as something called an olympiad so uh, the teams of wretched shades that have been promoted that are all trying to escape are sorted into teams of four called Olympiads. Uh, and you are one Olympiad that is just trying to uh, escape before the other Olympiads can. And, and and the deal is essentially this. If you get at, if you get out, all of you get out. So it's not like one of you makes it and you know mm-hmm. the rest of you don't get to live. So all of you get to get another shot at life if you win. Um, so that's the kind of benefit there. Um so how do you guys team up? I would assume that probably most of us know about like Rolf just because um, he works, you know, as a bartender and all this stuff. So I'm sure we've seen him the most, I think, out of the rest of us. I, I, Annie would say at least. That feels about right to me as well. Yeah, Annie's at least most familiar. I don't know about Alex. Uh, I don't think I would know any of you. <laughs> that's fair. That's also very fair. And I, I think I, I would sit in the corner of the bar um, so I don't think I, I'm not very sociable, so I, I've probably seen maybe Annie in passing, but I know Rolf, because you talk to the bartender when you're a loner. Yeah, of course. <laughs> would you have, like, actual conversations, or would it be, like, my drink and I'm done? I think it might be more one-sided. I don't, I mean, I don't know how your personality all that well mm-hmm. yet, so, like, I don't know if you're more of, like, a talkative bartender that's, like, kind of happy to, like, just kind of chat or if you're like looking for more of like a conversation back and forth because i don't think i'd be that willing to give like a back and forth conversation because from what i'm hearing because i'm all you know just trying to figure out where kind of my character falls with all of you i annie seems to be like the most friendly of kind of the party (laughs) potentially as as a bard uh... and she's also most commonly seen in the center of the house right because that's where orpheus is exactly so at least on my end, I feel like maybe Annie and I could be friends already, like if you would be down to yeah. talk to me. Yeah. But otherwise, like, I don't think Rolf would go out of his way to, like, force a conversation on someone. Like, if, you know, if you just want your drink, he's just going to give you your drink and leave it at that. Sure. No, I can definitely agree with that. Um, I will say that Annie, originally I was going to say 27 because 27 is that age for musicians. Yeah. And I was like, boom. <laughs> yeah. But then I was like, no. And then I made it 17. There we go. So... I think Annie would definitely sit at the bar, but she would not drink like a drink drink. She'd always, she would just ask It's a milk. Know, I just give you chocolate milk. Yeah, honestly, I think she'd be very... Um... Because you know what the Greeks were great at was carding people. <laughs> and saying, you know, you're too young for this. That, exactly. that, 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 that was really what we needed Especially them for. when they're yeah. dead. That's... Protect, protecting the innocence of youths. <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely think Annie would... Um enjoys conversation 100% and is open to always talking to really anyone. So I'm sure she's at least waved or made eye contact with, um, how do you, Arete? 
Yes. So didn't necessarily get anything back, but is totally okay with that. She's just, that's just who she is, I would say. So Alexander was a training dummy, but I don't think he has to be like forever, right? So I mean, now that you've been training like as a level one and level two paladin, you've definitely been seen around. I was planning to make Alex like stoic, but hopefully not too silent since it is a audio only platform. (laughs) Yeah, I would also (laughs) like that. Um, do do people know that he is Alexander the Great, or is that something he tries to keep under wraps? Yeah, it depends when y'all were alive, I guess. I don't, yeah. I, who who's out here in 350 BC, like chilling, <laughs> chilling hard? Oh man, you were just past my time. I didn't really watch your uh, your dynasty. I just... Watch his documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Rolf is from the year 3022. Vikings yeah. come back in the future. I, I just have no... I, I don't know how he could see Rolf outside of Hades for sure. Yeah, I don't know where... I know that my adoptive family, at least my traitor brother <laughs> and my adoptive mother are both still alive. Mm. So the the timelines in terms of like years... I haven't been down here all that long then because they're still alive. But I don't know like what time period it is down here necessarily for me to be able to be like, oh yeah, I came from the same period as Alexander the Great. I know who that is. So I have, I I don't know. (laughs) Sure. So one of the very, very characteristic things about the underworld is that the passage of time is extremely dubious. Uh, They they know the past and the future. That's right. Yeah. And also you're exactly right. So people see echoes of the past and they also see manifestations of the future there. So it is very, very hard to know what time it is, like not just time period, but even like what time of day it is, because it's basically just like always dark in the underworld. Uh, So that's so that's one important thing to know. You guys probably would know. Yeah, then yeah, I would say I would know who Alexander the Great is. I think I think I would probably admire his militarism and his like ability as like a general and I I think I would have a, a respect for that. I love that. I have two important like super important questions. For Toe, since we're forming an Olympiad, would we have formed like up before already, assuming you know we got promoted at level one and we are now level three, would we have already been working together? And then for Michael, what would your typical order be like? Oh. <laughs> In terms of drink order, oh gosh. Hmm. I it it just jumped into my mind, but I think a French 75. Get on it, Rolf. <laughs> you know what that is? French. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I don't know if it's the case for anyone else, but Giancarlo is just frozen for me. Yeah, he's just. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just like yeah. I thought that looked really like <laughs> looking at me, just like really. That's the drink. Yeah, that you decided to go too. with. I was like, <laughs> damn, okay. I still frozen. Because I think, like, I I don't know. I think Rene is a very complex guy. I think, sure. and I think a French seventy-five is is seen as more of like a as a girly cocktail. But I I don't know. I just love the idea of like of like a soldier having like a a typically feminine cocktail. Yeah, I think people who put their lives on the line all the time have an appreciation for the finer things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And he's back. There he is. Sorry, y'all. And your face was frozen with the most disappointed look when he said his drink. It was. Oh. <laughs> I didn't hear any of it. 
Oh. Uh, Michael was like, I think my drink would be a French 75, and you were locked in, like, permanent, like, Olivia Poe like, side eye. Like, it was amazing. But yes, my drink would be a French 75. Okay, good to know. Cool. Um, so to speak to your other qu- could you repeat your other question, Shaka? Sure. I just wanted to know, since we are going to be in Olympiad, you know, essentially working together and presumably we were um, promoted at the D&D level one and started working together up until now, level three being our first official escape attempt. Would we have interacted with each other in that like preparation or are we first being introduced to each other like officially right before our escape attempt? So here is my proposal, and let me know if this works because this is this can be very easily modified. So basically, when you were promoted from you know being a wretched shade, you were finally like given back the body that you had you know when you died, right? So you're not mm-hmm. like that kind of like formless shift, like shapeless you know shade, but you like kind of look like whatever you looked like, have whatever capabilities you had when you died, and then that's like you're at level one, and then gotcha. as an Olympiad, now hearing how you guys would know each other or not know each other, let me tell me if this potentially works as a solution to get you guys all together which is that when Zagreus puts forth this decree he essentially drops off just a giant bag of gems at the house contractor and the house contractor basically just draws up the most like promising shades in the house of Hades and just sorts Mm. them into groups of four and so you guys got sorted into a group of four so you guys all know that you're in the same Olympiad it is up to you with how much you want to interact or train together. Uh But training is what you have been doing to get to level three for your escape attempt, which begins today. Got you. So we would have to be, like, we would have to seek each other out. Like, it's not like we were rounded up together and told, hey, yes. look around you. These are your friends. Like, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, it's in your interest, too, right? Because these yeah. people are your shot at another chance at life. Absolutely. In terms of my motivations to get out of the underworld, I think... Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know if I trust everyone, but I definitely am working with everyone. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted this session zero to be is really just like, look, here is us working it out in real time, like laying the foundation for how the story can like piece together and like what the premise is and all that. Um, Do we have any other like questions, things we want to talk about or share? As a human, I get a bonus language. And as a noble, I get another bonus language. Excellent. Which ones did you pick? (laughs) <laughs> I have, I guess, common and Greek. <laughs> so and we're, we're, we're going to treat Greek as common for this. Great. Then I don't know what to make the other two. Yeah. I, I'm going Greek and Norse because... Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I assumed common would be Greek. So I did... Yeah. That was my thinking there. And then my secondary language, I picked Minotaur. Ooh. Oh, that is awesome. I did too. <laughs> I did that too. I love ah. that. Okay. I saw that and I was like, hell yeah. I was like, that's going to come up. <laughs> yeah. So the, ma- the way that I'm going to make that work is basically whatever like languages you pick, I'm going to find ways for that to come up in your adventures eventually. Uh, so you don't have to feel like you can't go wrong with picking any of the languages. Also, for the record, I said in my little introduction that I grew up in the Lascaris crime family. Lascaris is actually my birth last name. It's the Enclima family that adopted me so mm. just wanted to just wanted to write that wrong you hear that everybody <laughs> hold us to it study up that is not a thing i will fuck up at all <laughs> oh can we swear on this yeah i would hope so okay i sure hope so <laughs> all right cool i i'm very excited uh, i guess like content warnings for the adventure uh yeah. there will be a lot of like 
violence and dying and <laughs> depression and talk about serious issues. I would say I would say I would say it's about as serious as the game Hades, maybe slightly more so. Uh, but not cool. a, not by a whole lot. And I think there will also be a lot of silliness. I mean, look at who you're playing with. As dark and depressing as the mythology itself. Nice. Yeah, I mean, there is some dark-ass shit in the mythology that I want to handle, like, sensitively at the very least. So I think the way Greek mythology is written, it's very, like, matter-of-fact in, in a way that I think it's kind of awful sometimes. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best with it, and you can hold me accountable about it. Okay, um, I think that covers everything. Uh, does that wrap our session zero? I think so. Uh, I, I guess I just want to say uh, thank you, Toe, for taking this on. I'm so glad this is coming to fruition. Oh my gosh, I'm so hype. Thanks to you guys. I can't wait to play with you and, and start getting these sessions out. And thanks to everyone who's listening. Um, but I'm very excited to get started with our journey in the blood yeah yes th- yeah th- th- thank you so much for having me um i have not slept yet and i am just like <laughs> vibrating with how excited i am about this but i'm also very tired um so yeah this is gonna be quite the uh adventure and you know just like hades you know it's a marathon not a sprint so yeah you know, buckle in for a wild ride and um yeah that's our session zero Ooh. i've been Tozaman, you've all been Giancarlo Herrera, Michael Pisani, Amanda Facosta, and Nicholas Benetados. And we'll talk at you real soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for checking out episode zero. I hope you'll jump right into the action by checking out episodes one and two, which are already out now. Some credits for this episode, our cover art is by Chandler Candela. Sound design and editing by Giancarlo Herrera. Title music by Sage GC with vocals by Jessica Dahlgren and Sage GC. I think that covers it. Start running with us. Episode one, it's out now. Go, go, go. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.